Why do so many dogs suffer from health issues? It turns out that actress Katherine Heigl, who helped save over 16,000 dogs through her foundation, says that she has seen more issues with dogs' joints, odors, and health than ever before. And after doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can look to improve any dog's health, their food. What she discovered is that the way many dogs' foods are made can actually create toxins that could be wrecking our dog's health. And this is true even for premium brands. Fortunately, she found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw a huge transformation in their health. She has made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step -step how anyone can do the same thing and see incredible changes in their dog's health. Look, John and I are dog lovers and are currently searching for the perfect family edition and how to keep them healthy and happy. So if we can help keep your best friend healthy too, we are happy. Go to badlandfood.com dot com slash hidden true crime and watch Catherine's video right now. Again, that's B A D L A N D S F O O D dot com slash hidden true crime. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hidden, a true crime podcast. A forensic psychologist and a journalist explore the hidden motives behind unthinkable crimes while examining our deepest fears along the way. This conversation was originally recorded on May 29th, 2023. It was to come together to talk about the Lori Vallow Daybell trial and as reporters and podcasters, each of our different experiences. And to also ask News Nation reporters about the Brian Koberger case and updates there. I, Lauren, was in Florida at the time of this recording and we did not have our regular studio, which is why the audio is a little different. Thanks for understanding. Hey, everyone. I picked these three incredible journalists to be with me tonight for a special live because I admire each of them so much. And all of us were at the Daybell trial together. We shared texts, we shared tweets, we shared seats on the benches. Alex is a correspondent, a national correspondent for News Nation. As is Brian Enton. Brian Enton is the senior correspondent for News Nation. The way Alex and I met, I got a call in, in Boise and uh, from a News Nation producer, all three of us. And, and Gigi, I'm going to introduce Gigi in a bit. I know many of you know her, but News Nation told me, hey, we, we need you to report tonight. Meet Alex at the sheriff's office in Boise. I took an Uber there. And it was nice and warm, wasn't it, Alex, when I arrived? It was like a yeah. nice. Yeah, so nice. <laughs> it was an even temperature, and it went from like 70 to 20 degrees in yeah. about five minutes. And yeah. I was freezing, and I, I was just getting to know you. We had just met, and you had your hit. You were on, and then you had to pass the microphone to me, and it started pouring down rain uh, during commercial break. And this gentleman grabbed an umbrella and held it over me. 
the entire live shot. So yeah, uh, the Statue, of Liberty. Statue <laughs> of Liberty, just off camera where you couldn't see me. Love it. I was keeping you, keeping you warm. I remember standing up uh, in front of the camera, watch like not on camera yet, but looking at these dark clouds coming and being like, man, it would really stink if it rained on me during this live shot. And I made it through my live shot. <laughs> of course, when you step in front of the camera, that's when the, that's when the point came down. And I just felt so bad. I was like, okay, I got to help her out. I got to help her. Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. So Alex won me over the night I met him. I was like, what a gentleman. Not only is he we have a picture reporter. of it somewhere, we're going to have to share it after this uh, live live uh, stream finishes. So people- can I talk yes. about Brian Enton helping me? So I can talk about us breaking the law now that we're out of Idaho, but we jaywalked across the six lane highway. We were running and my phone fell out and there are cars starting to come and I'm just gone. And Brian's like, wait and he turns and he's like superman he puts his arm out and gets my phone and <laughs> saved my iphone so there you go we had two superheroes or right you lose your phone you know yeah no i appreciate that you were willing to risk uh life and limb so thank you that's a friend see alex and i we got you guys covered we you do that's that's all we need are you two you do you guys, you guys really did help us and, and Gigi is amazing i, I want to say Gigi is with the podcast pretty lies and alibis but not only does she host her own podcast she was a correspondent for law and crime during the entire daybell trial not only was she doing law and crime she jumped on and then started being a news nation correspondent and then she'd go back to her airbnb and do her own podcast so uh speaking of people that never rest Gigi's also one of them i know that we would joke while in trial you know people like wanted to hang out after and we're like who has time to hang out (laughs) i wish we had more time for sure Yes. Yes. So anyway, uh, these three people, I admire them so much. They're incredible journalists, all three of them. So thank you for being here. I wanted to just sort of recap the Daybell trial, our experiences at the trial. It's something that hidden true crime has been requested quite a bit. Dr. John and I, I call him Dr. John now, you know, my husband, uh, I don't call him Dr. John at home, except sometimes I maybe slip. John and I did a Patreon episode discussing the trial, but, but I wanted to have some amazing reporters together discuss Brian and Gigi and I would all sit in the same place. Alex, you liked a different place. You found like a kind of a different bench, but but yeah. we liked it right by the jury. That's sort of like where we had all group with a few other people. And, you know, we were all live tweeting. I know that all of us, even Alex, like all, all four of us would help each other when we lost a live tweet moment, you know, like, wait, did you, what did, what did they yeah. say? You know, we were all helping each other and, and it was definitely a team effort. With that being said, I just wanted to ask anyone to share some stories about the trial that maybe you didn't necessarily report. You know, there's the stories we report and there's the stories that happen a bit by behind the scene. Gigi, I know you were discussing one. You've actually also reported it, but about a girl you were mentioning, the the Tylee lookalike that we all got to know. I talked to her. She was wonderful. She was sweet. Yeah. So we just, you know, after a few days and this girl and her mom were pretty regular at the trial when they could get into the main courtroom, which seemed like almost every day to me, but she looked a lot like Tylee. And Lori would look at her. Now, we where we were sitting, sometimes it depended on where like Rob Wood's head was or where the prosecution monitor was, whether or not we could actually see Lori. But there were times when I had a straight shot to Lori and this girl was in the courtroom. She would look over at her. I mean, and stare. And it, it just and so people thought maybe she was planted there or she was a relative of Lori Vallow's. 
Both of those are not true. This girl just happened to look like Tylee who covered this case or, or followed this case from kind of the beginning with her mom. And they were just local to Boise. It just so happened that she looked eerily similar to Tylee and was the same age Tylee would have been. So I just wanted to clear that up. I've seen a lot of things online um, about that. Not related, nothing like that. Thank you for clearing that up. Yes, I also talked to her and her mother. She, she was there with her mother each day. And yeah, no relation. They were invested. But it is true. You're right. Lori did watch her. Lori did see yeah. her and, and confirmed with the defense that Lori did notice her, that she was noticing her and looked you know, at her. The idea of it being, you know, a conspiracy or that it was is a plant, you know, that's that sounds really, you know, far fetched and highly unlikely. But regardless, if this young woman did look very much like Lori Vallow, Daybell's daughter, you know, you got to imagine it had some sort of psychological effect on her sitting there. You know, if, if you know, her, the family, the, the her cousins and her uncle Rex were all there to the right. And if you continue to look to your right and you see someone that looks exactly like your daughter, that's got to be, you know, weighing on your heart and your head that entire length of the time that that woman was sitting there. So, you know, whether or not this was an actual plant or not, you know, that's... It doesn't sound like it, but still, it's going to have some sort of effect on the trial, I, I imagine, or at least the way Lori handled herself each day. You know, Brian, I remember at one point I tried to introduce you to some interesting people that I uh, would speak to. And there was one woman that I recognized from TikToks from Julie Rowe, which was really complicated for those that are like are not following this uh, case full time. I'm like, so Julie, you know, you're like all these different string connections, but we, we got it covered. And I, I introduced you and you realized that they had been to some preparing a people conferences. And I noticed that you talking to them a bit, but did you meet anyone that was interesting to you or anything that stood out to you? You interviewed a woman who had been in jail with Lori Daybell. It, it was interesting to me, like, um, and you guys saw this too. Um, like just being in the courtroom, there were so many characters and people from the community or people you didn't really know who they were. They weren't reporters and you would talk to them. Like the one day there was this lady there and we just started chatting with her and she's like, oh yeah. I'm like, well, why did you decide to come today? And she said, oh, I'm, I'm here because I was actually in jail with Lori. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. We ended up interviewing her. I um, mean, she had this whole really interesting story. She had had multiple DUIs and that's why she was in jail with Lori and the woman who was her prosecutor in one of her DUI cases was the same prosecutor um, in the Lori Vallow trial. And she actually went up during a break and like talked to the prosecutor and was like, I just want to thank you. I've changed my life. And the prosecutor remembered her too, this woman who had all the DUIs, which was just kind of like a strange, were you in there for that, Gigi? I can't remember. Lauren. Yeah. By the way, I just want to throw in, she is an amazing woman, super sweet lady. She is. Thank yeah. you for sharing that. She really is. She brought me lunch a few times when she noticed wow. I wasn't yeah, eating. so nice. Thank you, Gigi. You know, and there were two other things that stood out to me. One was um, like when we were waiting on the verdict, uh, when it, it's like this weird time where everybody's just sitting around the courtroom and people are like kind of stretched out and no one knows what's going to happen next and how long it's going to take. And it was just kind of like quiet in there. It's just a weird vibe. And someone was like, oh, do you guys like people were hungry because there was no food. And they're, and they're like, oh, Brian, do you want a sandwich? And it's always kind of like my normal inclination to be like, no, no, I'm fine. Like, I don't normally like to take like food from people or just, you know, like usually I'm fine or whatever. But for some reason, I never like say yes. But I was like, you know, I do kind of want a sandwich. So I was <laughs> like, OK, sure. You know, um, and then we went into this side room. Lauren was there and it was Larry and Kay. And they were sitting in there just like the side room next to the courthouse. And they had some extra sandwiches that they gave us. 
Um, and it was just this really like interesting moment because they're such good people and, and to just like be in there with them realizing that like this isn't just a story like for us it's it's a story but for them like here they are eating their sandwiches waiting to find out what the verdict is you know um i don't know that that's like a moment i'll never forget i mean to just be sitting in there with them eating waiting for for the verdict to come down and then the last thing i wanted to say uh, just in terms of what i'll take away from this um is just how amazing lauren and Gigi are um like, and I'm sure Alex will agree with me, you know, we get sent to these stories all the time, all over the country. And it's like, you know, you know, the basics, you know, enough, but like the two of you are really, it's incredible. Like yes. you are experts on these stories that you cover um, and you. you can literally answer any question. I mean, I would ask you guys a million questions a day and I just, honestly, I was inspired by that. Like mm -hmm. the, the way that you guys have dug into this, and, and all these stories that you do uh, to such a deep level beyond what I do um, is really, really impressive. Thank you. That, that means a lot. Time, Brian, thank you. You know, it's been an interesting experience. I, you know, being a TV reporter, not a, not a national a TV reporter like both of you are, but uh, being a TV reporter myself, a local TV reporter, you don't have the opportunity to delve into one story for six months or a year or two years, right? Um, I have really valued that ability since becoming a podcaster to be able to just focus on a story. But that's that's really kind. You guys, it's incredible how many stories both of you cover. I, I want to point out the case that it was amazing to meet Brian while waiting verdict in the room while eating sandwiches. I do remember that moment. I won't forget it either because it was emotional for me to see, as you point out, like, there is there are relatives of Lori Daybell in the room. There are relatives of JJ who we no longer have here. There were relatives of Tammy. There were some media beyond us who were being very respectful. There was a victim's advocate. It, it was when you looked around the room, it was this amazing moment. And we all understood the weight of what was really happening, as you point out. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, it's kind of like one of those moments when you don't feel like a reporter. You're just like... It didn't feel like you were there. I was. I wasn't trying to like take notes on what was happening there. I was just like feeling it, you know. Yeah, I I, I got to give credit to a lot of these family members that are in the uh, courtroom at this time because, um, and and I'll speak to the Woodcocks in in specific about this because I this is what I took away from them is you know a lot of times when you are involved in a story, be it a, a victim's family member or something like that, and you are in the presence of a reporter. You just kind of clam up a little bit. You don't want to say something, in which case this reporter will take my words out of context or, you know, do, you know, just bad thoughts come into your head. And so you just kind of shut down. But I saw nothing but, you know, grace, humility and honesty from the Woodcocks whenever I would speak to them. Uh, Larry and Kay, and, and they were just genuine and, and thoughtful and just so kind. It probably is the, uh, a little bit of that Southern charm that came out. But either way, it felt as if I was they were allowing me in, in in a way that people just normally don't. And, you know, it's I took away walking away from that trial that, you know, it's all about relationships, the relationships that you have with other people and your family and your friends and reporter to reporter, podcaster to podcaster. 
victims, families to reporter, you know, and, and there was just so many different relationships that were all floating around this room. That's kind of what I'm taking away from Brian's story about this sandwich room, right? There's just so many different people from so many different backgrounds, but you were just people in that moment, you know, eating sandwiches. Yeah. You know, just to echo these two amazing men, it, it was a collaboration more than it was just a bunch of individuals there covering a case. A lot of us have followed this since a long time ago since these first three and a half years you know it's been almost four and you know so that makes it very personal for all of us that that have grown to love Kay and Larry and and the family members and and Jerry who I finally got to meet who is hilarious but you know that's Jerry the, Vallow. yeah he's yeah great. he is a trip but <laughs> you know the one thing that I'm constantly reminded of in the true crime world is in the midst of darkness and tragedy, the beautiful silver lining, I guess if there is any, are the friendships that come in the midst of tragedy that would have never happened. And of course, we always wish they never, we never would have had to have met each other under these circumstances. But because we're all here, the beauty in the friendships that have been made that'll be lifelong that helped, you know, Kay and Larry get through tough times or whatever, I think that's the takeaway is that those are things that like Lori and Chad and every co-conspirators known and unknown can't touch. And that's, you know, I think that's just a little help from the other side just to kind of get their story out there. And also for the families to make it easier in the beautiful friendships they formed. And then all of us that professionally have made friendships and, you know, so there is a silver lining to it. That's always my takeaway from, from attending a trial. I've seen it with everyone. This one, a little different, a lot more, special i have to say you know and this is my first trial all of you have probably covered a lot of trials uh, i've sat in court as a reporter but i re i've never been able to cover an entire trial through until this so this is my only experience so thanks for sharing that Gigi. first off i want to share this laura ferris was a victim's advocate for kay and larry at the trial and she, and i just pinned a comment of her she says every morning larry would say hello to everyone this is true always mm -hmm. asked how everyone was it didn't matter who they were the defense the spectator or media his concern and care was displayed daily i absolutely recognize that yeah the media were they we were treated like people like human beings like friends in fact i'll never forget one day we were out both were reporting for News Nation. Uh, I think we were both doing different hits and you were doing one earlier. I was doing one later. I finished and I looked at my phone and you have to understand, like set the stage here during the trial, you are getting so many texts. I was getting more texts than emails. I don't know about you guys, but yeah, between producers and other people there, I found myself on text thread lists for media and I didn't know who was sending them. They're just coming through and I'm missing a lot of them. And you're live tweeting and Judge Boyce, make sure you know that if every single notification isn't off, your phone will be confiscated. I had just finished News Nation and I was dazed and confused, all these texts coming through. And I look at my phone and Gigi's texting me, so are you coming for lasagna? I'm like, wait, what? I was like, I I'm coming for lasagna. Like, help me out here, Gigi. <laughs> I was on like two hours of sleep. And I'm like, and you know, and I was riding mean Ubers. You had a rental car. I was like coming for lasagna and she's like, just start walking. I'm like, well, start walking. What? All of a sudden she's like, look, I'm coming to pick you up. And you <laughs> pulled over and I got in your car and I still was confused. She's like, Kay and Larry Woodcock are making this lasagna. And I was wow. like, what? And we got there and, and I'm telling you, these are the survivors. These are the people we're all here for. They made us dinner that night. 
It was so good, by the way. Kay, look, my Kay, my dad just has like one bowl of gumbo left, by the way, and he is he's saving it. We can't touch it. We're we've been threatened to be cut out of the will if we touch that last bowl of gumbo. She made that yeah. gumbo. So I just, I just, it just reiterates what Laura is saying about Larry and Kay. Yeah. I was, I was on two hours of sleep. I was dazed and confused. There was a text from Kay I'd missed. She said, Did you get, why didn't you answer my text? I apologize, Kay. I didn't know where I was. And all of a sudden, this moment of like realizing, you know, dazed and confused that Gigi picked me up and the victims of the story are making me dinner was a yeah. very humbling moment so that's yep. that's the moment i won't forget so thank yeah. you i think to Gigi's point about the friendships and the relationships it's it's so important with stories like these where they're just so difficult with such you know sometimes horrific facts surrounding the case where these friendships and relationships that you build are so necessary in helping ourselves you know we're, we're not invincible as you know professionals what we we have emotions too and and it can cut deep sometimes and so having peers colleagues friends and family surrounding yourselves making you lasagna you know i'm sure in a way that you helped kay and larry in in, in their healing too you know just by being that presence during dinner and sharing a meal together and so I, 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 too, echo what Gigi said. Friendships and relationships are so huge because, you know, you guys are all going through it together at once. Yeah, I, I've wow. never had crime scene photos affect me personally the way these did. I have struggled with that since I've been home and I'm doing much better. And I have talked through it with 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 some trusted people. But that was the one thing for me is I did not see that coming. I'm We're used to seeing the worst of the worst. Children are always is there's a different kind of of wait to seeing those for me the crime scene photos hit me harder than i ever thought they would yeah i agree i feel like and i don't know if this is the same with you alex and Gigi and lauren but like every like story i cover like long term or really in an intense way like a trial or whatever it may be like normally like i kind of um have this like wall up um and i don't really feel a lot of emotion like because i try to just like, and that's the only way to power through for me. Um, but there's like usually one time where like, it kind of like breaks through, like, and it, it's almost like it tries and tries. And then there's like that one time and, and then it does come through. And it's almost like a relief because um, like you can get some of it out and then you're also like, okay, good. I am like human, you know? Um, but but uh, for me, it was the crime scene. It was the photo of JJ. Like I wasn't expecting it. Like a lot of other awful stuff in court. And then like, Right when I saw that, it was like just again, like reporter left me and it was just like, oh, my God, like this is real. You know, yeah. it was heavy that night. I was, I think, 30 seconds from going live on Cuomo and poor Shanley and Court TV's over there in the corner. I ripped my mic off because I just couldn't eat lunch that day. And I just went and lost all probably all 65 ounces of coffee I had on my. Yeah, stomach. I remember that. Yeah. You know, I just it just was such a heavy day and it just it all just manifested. And then I remember on the plane ride home crying yeah. like just, you know, because it's quiet and it's, it's the middle of the night. Everybody's asleep. And so, you know, I just remember thinking like, gosh, I mean, really, it's you know, and I'm much better now. And I'm, I, I definitely feel more at peace with it. But that for me was just. Mm -hmm unexpected in a way because i used to work in a morgue so i've seen mm. every kind of death you could think of and but it was just, it was that personal aspect of, of loving Kay and larry so much and feeling like they're part of of me now and they always will be it just made it 
that much more personal. And then, you know, his story just over the years, learning who JJ was, it, 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 it's not just a case you're covering. That's a real little human being right there that, that even though you never met him and you never will, you love. Same with Tylee and Tammy and Charles. It's very bizarre how it happens, but you do feel connected. And I think in this one, for a lot of us, more than the typical cases that we cover. It's not that there's not a lack of love or, or, or devastation that happened, but some, some cases just get you a little harder than others. And this, this was that for me. And it probably will be, you know, the one throughout however long I do this that, that really just got me. But I'm glad it did because then it gives me more drive to tell the story, to tell their story and not just what happened to them, but who they were before that happens. So for me, that was kind of the biggest lesson, honestly, that I took away. Thank you, Gigi, for what you just said. To reiterate what Brian said, I know exactly what you mean about like there's journalists and there's personal and the way I power through. I'll never forget those days either. There, that last day you're talking about the closing arguments, none of us expected the photos. And then there was another day that Kay mentioned she missed. It was the day she missed and she cooked us dinner. They were showing them and I do exactly what you do. The way I power through is I just report. People are like, how do you do it? I don't know if people notice, but during the hard times, that's actually when I'm like live tweeting, like in a fury, like I'll just be live tweeting, live tweeting so fast, writing, 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 because people say, how do you power through it? I'm like, work, you just work. And I want to reiterate that too. people think the media don't have feelings and it's not personal. Actually, we do. Don't you guys agree? You just put your game face on and you keep going. And there's so many times, even as a reporter that I would do that, you put your game face on, you work and then you go home and then you cry, you know, or whatever it is that you do. Yeah, I would say for me, it, 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 what I've noticed recently is that it, it comes at the end, you know, after a long assignment, maybe days or weeks, um, you know, I'm able to power through each day because I'm just so zoned in or because I have a, I, I recognize the duty that I have to accomplish or the job at, at hand. But then it's after on the flight back home or, you know, when I'm back here with my fiance, in which case, like it all comes unraveling out and mm. and it is to ryan's point it's a bit of a release it it it, it makes you feel better it, it uh makes you recognize that you aren't just some emotionless robot but hopefully you know when the time comes that you got to do your job you're able to stay strong but for me at least it comes towards the end that that release at the very end when the task is is done yeah, we all cope, right? We all do it. We all have sad stories. I don't think I've like hugged you. my kids harder than when I came in the door that for that last time and not having to leave. You know, it was Mother's Day weekend and I just hugged my babies because, you know, it's not all the time that a parent does this. We strangers. And then you just think for a second, you know, thank God I have not been a statistic or my kid hasn't been a statistic. And I haven't walked in the shoes of these family members, the survivors, the living victims. It, it's just... um it was a powerful six weeks for me in a lot of ways, but emotionally, um, a lot of lessons learned about myself and um, which I hope in the future can mold the podcast too. you know, Nate Eaton and Justin Lum, who are not here, how amazing those two guys are. They are salt of the earth, good guys with the biggest hearts who were so emotionally invested in this case and who were the people I followed before I even started this podcast. Um, I just want to shout them them out as well. And Chanley Painter, just, you know, everybody. But those two were kind of the originals on this case reporting. I mean, Justin Lum reported from when Charles was murdered way before we really even knew who Lori Vallow was. Mm -hmm. And um, they were so humble and just willing to share things, you know. And, and so I just want to acknowledge those two as well, because they're such a big part of this story 
as a whole and how they've told it and kept us informed. So I just, Nate and Justin, man, they're just good, good people. Yeah. I asked Nate a bunch of questions too all the time. And he was always like super helpful and nice. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I know that that is true. One thing we learned in the trial, I guess I kind of connected it to Murdoch, you know, Murdoch case, everyone knows it was sort of the boat crash. That was this dominoes, right. That Mm -hmm. created everything. We we learned during this Daybell trial that it was Brandon Boudreaux's shooting where it was an attempted murder on Brandon's life that sort of got the ball rolling with everything else and that happened in Arizona and you're right that happened before everything and that was Justin Lum and he was reporting on that and it was his station and as a reporter that clung to this uh, Charles Vallow shooting and didn't let it go so you're yeah. right he, a lot of credit to Justin a lot of credit to Nate. I did reach out to Nate and I reached out to Chanley they're incredible and I want to say this too I think this is a moment we've talked about the emotions in trial and how it's just heavy for so many different people and for so many There was a moment in closing arguments where Jim Archibald started to get emotional during closing Mm -hmm. arguments. And many people, when I played the audio on Hidden True Crime, said, this is these are alligator tears. This isn't real. But I hope I want to say I believe they were real. What I mean is everyone got emotional some way and somehow this was a heavy trial. And I can't imagine that the defense was immune, whether that means that you are defending this this person that did these heinous acts and, and she's about to get a guilty verdict. I don't necessarily think the tears were empathy for her. I don't know what they were, but I guess I just want to explain that too. I believe every tear that was shed in this trial was very real. And I guess I just want to share that. It was heavy. Yeah, and we would see everyone. him up on the, sorry to interrupt you. We would see him up on the fourth floor too, because the trial was on the third floor. And then at lunch on the fourth floor, you could see him up there uh, just sort of like pacing. And you could tell like he was trying to collect himself during the breaks, too. Um, And, you know, he was just doing his job. I mean, you know, that's the way our constitution set up. I mean, you know. Yeah, the defense, they're they're very nice guys. I I mean, they were just super sweet. And, you know, everybody's entitled to a defense. And. So, you know, she got her defense, but I mean, Lori tied their hands behind their back. Thank goodness, because we got guilty on all verdicts, but they, they did what they could do. Given the fact she didn't want to throw Chad under the bus. She didn't want to throw Alex under the bus. No mental illness, mental illness comes in, but I mean, it's like, so they did the best they could. I've heard a lot of people say they didn't defend her. Well, she didn't let them. And I don't think there was a defense for Lori. Every Lori was the reason Lori was found guilty. She lied. Liabetes. That's my word. Liabetes. It, it, it means that she cannot control her lying. And that's why she is convicted. She's convicted because she allowed this to happen. She knew what was going to happen. So it can't be defended, I don't think, with the body cam and the text messages and everything. But, you know, I do think those tears were legit from Jim Archibald. I don't think anybody could look at those crime scene mm-hmm. photos and know what happened mm-hmm. and not feel something. So... They were always very kind to me, so I have nothing but nice things to say about all three of the guys on her defense team. I agree. We'll answer Lori's question here, and then we'll we'll jump to Koberger. Brian, I know you need to go soon, so if you need to yeah, run. Yeah, I got to run. Sorry, because I okay. got a flight. Okay. So Lori's asking, why haven't we heard from prosecutors? It's because Chad Daybell. Chad Daybell will be prosecuted next year, and that is why. Right after the Murdoch prosecutor spoke out, after uh, – Right after the trial, the Murdoch trial, the prosecutor spoke out. That is not the case here because they still have to 
go through the Chad Daybell trial. And that is why they're not speaking out. We should have started with Koberger because Brian was actually at the indictment. I know, Alex, so that you've been in Moscow. Um, John and I covered Koberger for quite a while. We were on Dateline covering it. I know that you've discussed it, Gigi, on, on News Nation, I believe. So we've all been covering it a bit. Any latest, Alex, can I ask you? You've been to Moscow. You've been covering this. Yeah, I, th- I think there's still just so much fascination nationally with this story. Um, similarly, just young, innocent lives lost so soon. Um and it's just really captured the attention of, of so many people. And then this bizarre uh, suspect, Brian Koberger, and his his ties to these girls or whether or not he knew them. It, it, you know, it's I think that this is going to be the next case that really captures the attention of America. Um, obviously, we saw that um, the indictment as Brian or as you were mentioning, Brian uh, was at so meaning the the trial is moving forward. There's enough evidence to prosecute. And um, I think the biggest question that still remains is whether or not uh, Koberger will face life in prison if convicted or potentially the death penalty. Uh, If I'm not mistaken, that's really the next question. You know, with Lori Vallow, she wasn't she she death penalty was never on the table for her with Chad Daybell. It still is with Brian Koberger. It still is. And in the state of Idaho, that means one of probably two things, which is lethal injection, which we know there's a lot of issues right now nationally with getting those drugs, um, you know, in the hands of departments of corrections to actually perform that manner of death versus firing squad, which was the newest thing out of Idaho too, that that is on the table and just on its, you know, on its head, it's very uh, like scary concept of that in 2023, 24, someone could die by a firing squad, right? It sounds so medieval, but that's very much a, a real possibility uh, in this case if Brian Koberger is found guilty of the crimes he's accused of. Thank you for sharing that update. Like I said, I'm still like jumping back into it after Daybell, and I know you've been in it full. Uh, so, so the next step really is will there be the death penalty? You lose weight, it comes back. You lose it again, it comes back again. And if this cycle sounds familiar, you're not alone. And there is a better way. What if you could take a weekly shot to lose weight and keep it off? That's where Roe comes in. Roe provides access to the most popular weight loss shots on the market. The Roe Body Program pairs a weekly shot with lifestyle changes so you can lose weight and keep it off. Roe handles it all, even insurance paperwork. If eligible, you have access to a provider on demand. You can sign up online from home, no doctor's visits. Average weight loss, get this, 15 to 20% in a year with healthy lifestyle changes. BMI and other eligibility criteria do apply. Go to road.co slash hidden. Sign up today and you will pay just $99 for your first month and $145 a month after that. Medication costs are separate. That's row, R-O dot C-O slash hidden. A quick word from our sponsor. Mother's Day is just around the corner and I want to tell you about a very special book. It's called mylifeinabook.com. It's a service that also turns your mom's life stories into a book. 
every week, mylifeinabook.com will send your mom a question via email. And then your mom types her responses or record her voice. And mylifeinabook.com compiles all of her responses into a beautiful keepsake book. Imagine discovering stories about her youth, her adventures, her strength and perseverance after losing John's mom just a few months ago. Sharing her stories helps us keep her memory alive. And so we've gifted mylifeinabook.com to family members. My dad is legally blind and typing can be tedious when you can't see, but my dad can actually record his answers with voice and mylifeinabook.com transcribes his audio. It's been an enjoyable thing for my dad to tell his stories and his book is almost done. I don't think there is any gift that matters more than preserving our stories. Stories change us and teach us about what we value most. This service now puts our stories into the most beautiful, high-quality book. Check out mylifeinabook.com and use code HIDDENTRUECRIME at checkout for 10% off. Create an unforgettable gift for your mom this Mother's Day. That's mylifeinabook.com and use code HIDDENTRUECRIME for 10% off today. Is anyone else struggling with what to wear these days, feeling like styles have changed so much? Enter Armoire. Armoire allows you to rent high-quality designer clothing for every occasion. I signed up, I took a style quiz, and they offered suggestions that would best match me. The more I rent, the more on point the styles get. Whether you are planning a date night, packing for a conference, or headed to a black tie event, you will have the perfect outfit without facing a fitting room with fluorescent lights. With my Armoire clothing rental, I feel brave trying new styles, because I know it's not forever. It's just for a week or a month. And my favorite thing, having someone else do my laundry when I'm ready for new clothes. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash hidden true crime. That's armoire.style slash A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash hidden true crime to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. Is there any talk of a possible plea deal still? Any thoughts on that, Alex? Um, or is it just a wait and see? You know, I, th- I think it is possible still. I mean, that would be uh, a, certainly an option, right? If to, to prevent a trial from happening, in which case the defense is found guilty and all of a sudden they're sentenced to death. I would imagine that if if the defense feels that they're the cards are stacked against them, then a, a plea deal would be a logical uh, choice, right? I'll take life in prison without parole. Just don't kill me. Um, so I think what we are going to have to wait and see, though, is just like these months could, you know, I, I believe that right now the trial is set to begin in the fall. However, we could see continuances galore with this thing where it just continues to get pushed back. We may not see this trial by the end of this year. Um, So I think we're just going to have to wait and see what discovery yields, what type of evidence they feel they have against their man. And and likewise, how the defense feels, uh, you know, playing their cards against that evidence. Um, But certainly, I think if I was to look in my crystal ball, I don't see this trial beginning in 2023. I think that this is going to take a while. It could begin in 2024 or further. Um, There's just so much that has to happen. Um, And so many curveballs that could come our way when talking about this, this massive case. Right. right. Thank you for sharing that. Thank you. I am in the same city as Brian right now for other reasons, but we were going to get together and now he's flying out for breaking news. So yes, work does not stop. This for is news Brian's, Nation, life. Brian's yeah. life. News Nation correspondence. 
Why do I right. look like I'm sitting at the kids' table, by the way? I need to like get a chair that goes up. You gotta elevate. Up. Or we should call it the scoop back. Well, it all changed when Brian left. It, we yeah. can blame Brian. He's a scapegoat. He's gone. Blame so, Brian. You, you noticed because I wasn't gonna be the one to say it. Okay, yeah. I just looked, like little, we were all even before. Table yeah. Away. If I just stick her in the middle, maybe yeah, if I get up too high, then you guys will see like my party leggings. <laughs> Yeah. I like them. They're very, they're very <laughs> business and then low comfy down here. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> jazzy. We call those jazzy on the hidden true crime channel. Stay jazzy is what we say. Look between uh, Murdoch and Vallow. I have not worn so much makeup in my entire life. I'm a tomboy. I used to climb trees and stuff like welcome to reporting. Know. Even yeah. Alex, right? Even Alex. No, I had, I had somebody at long crime, send me a makeup tutorial video. That's how bad it was. Like the yeah, first time I, I, I have no clue what I'm doing. I just kind of push it on and hope it looks all right. <laughs> when, I quit reporting, when I quit reporting, like I thought I was retiring forever, even though reporting sort of, like I say, the twilight zone, like it's really hard to like get into the business, but once you're in, you can never leave like yeah, ever. So like one of the many times I retired, you know, I quit during the, like right before the pandemic, that was my thing. I was like, I'm never wearing makeup again. I used to love makeup. And then after 10 years of it, I'm like, I'm never putting it on again. And you can see it with hidden true crime, like the first like year, I don't even touch it, but mm. now here I am reporting again, makeup. Well, on. Good. <laughs> you give in, you give in. Yeah. Um, yeah. And as Alex, you do a great job. I saw it. You, you were great. Um, you do your best. Yeah, <laughs> we'll do our best. I just want to answer Priola's question. Do we think we'll move the trial referring to Koberger uh, to either Ada or Kootenai counties? I, I think they will move it to, to Ada County. Moscow is so small. And Alex, you've been there. Do you want to explain just how small Moscow yeah. is? Yeah, it's, it's really tiny. It's all the way in uh, the north northern, northwest uh, part of uh, the state of Idaho. And probably, I would say, like four or five hours north of Boise, I would say. Boise. Um, but it's just a small college town, right? It's the University of Idaho. They are like, if you ever been to like a college town where like it's the like the lifeblood of it, there's nothing else, right? It's just the University of Idaho and, you know, the surrounding area is mostly college housing and professors, uh, people, you know, staff and faculty that live in the town and like the little downtown area. Um, interestingly, like only like 10 miles to the west over the border is... The uh, Washington State University, which is where Brian Koberger was a graduate student and presumably where he first made those connections with these young victims. It was that close proximity. Um, so, uh, you know, when we look at the big picture of the magnitude of this crime, like it would totally make sense uh, to take it out of that county, to bring it to a larger courthouse that could oversee it. Um, similar to what we saw with the uh, Vallow Daybell trial, right? It got moved to a bigger venue because it had such, um, you know, it, it had so much weight to it. There was some, it was a big case that had a lot of interest, um, and so I, I wouldn't be surprised if it moved down to um, down to Ada because Latah County Jail is small. The Latah County Courthouse is very small as well. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, and Kay Woodcock agrees. I bet they move it too. Yeah, and so so we'll probably all be there again together. Mm -hmm. uh, I, what do maybe. you guys think about Chad, though? I, I'm going to tell you, I really don't see him taking it to trial. What about you guys? I think maybe like in the last minute, got death on the table. Lori was found guilty on all charges. I've always heard the case against Chad was stronger. What do y'all think? Well, the interesting, think, the interesting ahead, thing is that, you know, the defense team for Chad Daybell 
just got a complete run through of what a potential trial might look like for their client. There is no bigger advantage than that than sitting through several weeks of a trial of a co-conspirator and seeing exactly all the likely moves that they believe the prosecution will will make. Now, at the at the same time, the prosecution is not going to show its full hand and they're going to have a few tricks up their sleeve if it does go to trial with Chad Daybell. But at the same time, that lawyer, you saw him, Chad Daybell's lawyer was in there a lot of that time, right? He was sitting a lot. right there taking notes, copious notes. And, you know, even I had some conversations with him after court someday and just chatted, picked his brain and wanted to know how he was feeling. Of course, he really wouldn't budge when it came to like, you know, on the record information that he could share with me. But at the same time, there's he was there for a reason, which was to to see exactly the best way that he could help out his client and play his hand, you know? He really watched the jury at crucial moments in testimony, too. And I noticed during some of the more um, juicy texts um, that were a little stormy, he looked mortified. So, mm -hmm. like, he's going to be the one at the defense table when these are read again. And then whatever else they may have that they didn't bring in with Lori's trial. Um, there were just times I saw, like, the reality hit him of, like, the reaction from the courtroom and the jury at times where his face was like, oh, boy, <laughs> like, wow. You know, it's different to sit there and hear your client's version all the time. It really comes down to the jury. You know, you can prepare, prepare. But I mean, yeah, you saw reality hit him a few times of of really what's coming for Chad. And I, I just I, there's a part of me that thinks he had to have, have went back and said, dude, we need to talk. Mm -hmm. Like maybe we just don't do this and you escape with life and not have death on the table because I think if death were on the table for Lori, I think there's a good chance she would have got death penalty. I really do. And I think Chad is going to be even easier. He's a man. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Annalise, who I met at the trial, she agrees that Chad is being toast. I agree with both of you. It was very clear. In fact, at one point, it was so clear he was toast that the prosecution had to defend him. It was after Archibald's final argument, you know, the closing arguments and chat, you know, it was like, which was like a roast by Archibald, you know, it was just like, he just was like, look at a picture of Charles and look at a picture of Chad and you tell me if this is, you know, someone no. she should have been attracted to. Listen, I mean, it was like an absolute when he, asked, <laughs> when he asked Audrey, so he said he's the brother of Jesus in one life. Yeah. You believed him? Yeah. He said he was Methuselah in one life. You believe him? Yeah. Did he ever say in the 1700s, I came back as a loser in that life? And, right. and she's like, no. Like, like I, I had to bite my tongue till I tasted blood. I oh got kicked God. out. I almost busted out laughing. That was funny. Oh, and Colby's call. I mean, there were there were so many zings yeah. on Chad. But but the point is, uh, like what to what you said, Gigi, that it was so bad that the prosecution at one point had to come back and defend him almost, which is they're going to be trying to convict him, you know, in a year. But they were like, look, this was all Lori. It wasn't just Chad. That's how much evidence there was against Chad that they finally had to be like, no, it, it Lori is just as culpable i'm gonna say though that he's not gonna take a plea i think prior might maybe try i think people might try uh i think chad's delusional in different ways than laurie i think he's so ready to throw laurie under the bus i think he's so ready to throw laurie and alex under the bus that he thinks he's completely innocent and that's where i think he's delusional do you know yeah. what i mean like yeah. he thinks because maybe he didn't do something to these these victims that like he's just this pure clean, honest dude. Mm, like I, I do I'm not, not I am not a Chad friend. <laughs> I'm not convinced that Alex acted alone. 
I don't know where Chad's phone pings were that night. We didn't, that didn't come in, but we do know that's him taking JJ upstairs and he comes down and Chad has scratches Chad from which surprised me. Apparently he's like six foot three. He's a tall guy. So you can only imagine how that would happen. So I don't know. I just wouldn't be surprised with anything um, of who might've been involved in what. And we'll never know, but we'll never know. That's what we learned in this trial. We'll never know all those questions we wanted answered. Uh, there were a lot of them. We'll, we realize, unless unless someone confesses one day, I don't think that's going to be Lori. But uh, yeah, this, you know. this comment down here below the raccoon text, though, you guys remember that that was seeing Chad. You know, it was interesting how um, the the let's see. I guess who I can't remember who was testifying at the time about it, but I guess maybe like a forensics agent who studies like criminal behaviors through online and digital communication. And they asked him, like, what did you notice about this text? And this is the raccoon text, which was all of a sudden a very long paragraph to Tammy Daybell about, you know, I found a dead raccoon. I took him out and I tried to, you know, to bury him. And then all of a sudden I wanted to light a fire. It's just this long winded text, which was so out of character for Chad Daybell to be communicating with his wife that way. And so there's a ton out there still that really only got a very surface uh, surface touch during the Lori Daybell trial that I think we're going to go into a lot deeper uh, if this trial for Chad Daybell goes, you know, follows through. I agree. Yeah. And he waived his right to a speedy trial, which means they have this extra time to go through everything. A, a lot of evidence. Isn't that right? Like wasn't even allowed in court for Lori because they did not have time. Right. You know, right. They, yeah. they didn't have time to go through everything. So what will we see that's new that they did have time, uh, possibly new interviews? You know, a yeah. lot of people are asking about Chad's kids still supporting. I mean, the one thing I always point out is that when they did that interview, I believe it was 2020, that was before the Chandler document dump, the Gilbert True. document dump, and before the trial. Right. So the Chandler True. and the Gilbert document dumps gave us a lot of insight into the hanky-panky going on just right there. So, yes. you know, th- I always like to remind people that, that they were kind of going into that interview blind yeah. in a way. And had no clue and probably just trusted their dad. You know, I, I, there have been some actions, you know, that have bothered me, like sticking the tongue out and stuff. But I mean, I don't know. I, I in a lot of ways feel bad for his kids because they didn't ask for this. Neither did Summer or Colby or Janice or anybody. And I'm not saying that the way some people have reacted is the best way to react. And but at the end of the day, man, can you imagine your mom's murder? You find out your dad gets married two weeks later, and then we find out at trial he ghosted his kids. Mm-hmm. That surprised me. Like, they were worried they were going to lose him because he wasn't contacting them. Right. Yeah. There was a really profound witness that actually brought more reality to Chad Daybell's, more humanity to Chad Daybell's kids, where we learned that when they they went over, I just forgot the neighbor's name that was interviewed that we're discussing the witness. It was the day I wasn't there and you texted me about the podcast that was being played. But I listened to their testimonies after. Prices. I believe it was the prices. Was yeah, the boy, Not price. the prices, but the neighbors of the prices. It wasn't the prices, but the neighbors of the prices. The Gilberts, right? The Gilberts. Thank you. I knew it was the Gilberts. I just was like, it's a city in Arizona. Yeah, yeah. the Gilberts. Yeah. <laughs> the Gilberts uh, discussed that. She discussed going over and seeing Emma, that she really cared about the, the Daybell family and Emma was crying saying that her dad wanted nothing to do with them after getting married. I feel like she really brought the whole thing 
home. Alice Gilbert. Alice really, I think, humanized the Daybell children a bit. And you're and you're right, Gigi. That that 48 hours interview was before even the Gilbert drop. And who knows, maybe they're compartmentalizing and refusing to see any of the evidence. That could be happening too. We all do that. But if they've if any of them have chosen to look at what is out there, they will see a lot more than they knew. Right. right. Well, I spent some time out there in East Idaho before the trial even began and tried to make some headway in contacting and chatting with the Daybell children and they are completely closing themselves off to the world. Um, you know, I, I approached the Daybell property where the children were buried, and and one of Chad, at least one of Chad's children, still lives there to this day. And big red lettered sign on their front door: "Absolutely no media allowed." You know, wow. and and they, you know, try as I might, you know, I tried to go through their lawyers. I actually did find one of uh, one of Chad's sons, and I spoke to his wife. And she took my card, but she was like, you got to get out of here. Like we we're not talking to media like. Yeah, yeah. But you did talk to him. You you made contact. I made I made contact with Chad's son's wife. And there was okay. a cute little kid in the doorway, too. And, you know, that's the hard part of my job sometimes. That I got to just go knock on these people's doors that don't want anything to do with me. And See, I, need I can't to, do that. I need to introduce myself, tell them that I'm here to get their side of the story and and act in good faith to to for fair, accurate, unbiased journalism, and hopefully, you know, you'll trust me to tell your story um, as well. You know, and that's all we can do is give both both sides of the story. But the long okay. story short, the long story short is that the Daybell property, no media allowed, big red signs, you know, basically a huge exclamation point. You knock on the door, you're afraid someone's going to pull a gun on you. But then also at the other, on the other side, you know, you, you get a very sweet wife and, and their child and they say, thank you very much for dropping off your card, but we just, we just can't talk to you, you know? Yeah. So it's hard. I guess like, the reason I'm getting back to this is like, yes, they did that interview with 48 hours and who knows what they knew. But at, even at this time in 2023, it's not like they're rushing out to try to tell their story or correct their record or, you know, fix what may, people may believe of them at this point. You know, and a viewer said Chad's kids were interviewed by someone on TV after Tammy's autopsy. The kids still say they aren't sure the asphyxiation meant she wasn't murdered. Now, what's interesting is at trial, essentially the medical examiner testified that it was a negative autopsy, meaning they could not find an obvious cause of death. I thought for sure they would have found like the broken hyoid bone to show she had been strangled or something. So they just named it asphyxiation. And because everything else was benign, it became a homicide. So you can see if that's how it was explained to these kids. If you're not medical asphyxiation, you just think they're being suffocated, smothered. But really on the stand, that was the one charge I thought we might be in trouble with because Really, the medical examiner said we couldn't find a cause of death. So we just said really just the absence of breath. Well, and and there, was, the bruises. there was bruises, the bruises on the arms. That showed, right. And then the pooling in the back. But and a few Chad's other kids would have known right, this at that time. You know, so that's right. the thing. They would have just heard, well, we couldn't find a cause of death. So we just assume it's asphyxiation. So you right. can see in one way how Chad's kids might say, well, that doesn't mean she, it just means she stopped breathing. So, you know, I just, Yeah. I feel for those kids. I really do. It's just man. well, as we've always said on Hidden True Crime, to believe that their father did this is to question the entire reality of their lives. This was exactly. a very close family. This was a family that did everything together. We can maybe even say they might be a mesh. You know, we heard from Heather Daybell on this channel, and she explained how 
close they were, how tight knit they, you know, it was, it was almost like they're wary of people from the outside. So right to, to imagine that their father did this is to realize their father and their entire family and their entire reality is not what it was mm-hmm. still. I hope they can get there. I, I hope, hope so. and maybe For, they are, maybe yeah. they are. I've yeah. heard, I've heard that maybe one at least is not as supportive as they were. I don't know about the others, but I have heard one. Um, and, and I have not heard, well, I'm not going to say a name, but it does seem like at least one of the kids ha- maybe is like, whoa, okay. Yeah, this makes yeah. sense now. And Alex, I just want to acknowledge what you said, because again, being a reporter and we can see what a great guy you are. Um, and, and I know what a great guy you are. This is the guy again that held an umbrella for me when I had met him five minutes ago to keep me dry and warm during a live um, and he's out knocking on doors. There is a lot of misconception about the media and how terrible that you go and do this. And he explained it. He, he understands that whatever he reports is going to thousands, if not millions of people. And he wants to get both sides and it's only fair to right. give them that opportunity. And his job is difficult and he gets door slammed in his faces and he gets yelled at and he gets people angry. But I just want people to understand that too, that, that Alex is doing his job and he's doing a good job by reaching out and saying, do you want to say something? And then yeah, he props goes away. I, I'm saying don't want him there. I would Maybe. be so embarrassed. Like I, so I, I respect people who do that to give people that chance. I do want to clarify. I have no doubt Chad Daybell killed Tammy. I'm just saying that from the standpoint of the witness on the stand, explaining the autopsy, the children, can, the children, the evidence the children could, Right. Just say, well, she just we can't find nothing. So she just stopped breathing. So I'm just saying that for me personally, no. I mean, come on now. We all know how Tammy died. Right. And and, and her sister did stay a little bit. Somebody said Tammy didn't have a voice there. But we know that Tammy's mom has been ill. Um, We don't know what's going on with that. But Samantha did stay until it got too painful, I think, to stay. Hmm. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Tammy Daybell's mother is ill. I think she's quite ill, actually. And uh, it's heartbreaking. You have to wonder if part of it is, you know, heartbreak. It's really sad. We learned a lot more. I, I appreciate learning a lot more about Tammy at the trial. Yeah. Her family yeah. has been understandably private. And I can't imagine their heartache. And we, through Samantha and through her aunt that was there that I got to know and a cousin that showed up, um, I got to know Tammy so much uh, better and I appreciate yeah. that she was yeah me too woman. I would love to know a lot more about her actually um, just you know sometimes it it feels like certain victims get lost in the shuffle and yeah. I kind of feel like in this case it's you know it's it, when it's about kids it's easy to focus on the kids but at the same time I think the true crime community like now that I'm in the middle but these four have always really just been one um, just unit of sadness because they're all connected it's like you think about how much Tammy Daybell loved children and to think for a month, over a month before she was murdered, there are two kids in her backyard and they showed those pictures from the vantage point of the kitchen out into the yard. How many times does she stand there and do dishes, not knowing that, you know, two children are dead on her property? It, it haunts me. I know. I know. And we learned at the trial, I want to say this, that Chad could see those graves from his bedroom window and from the kitchen, which is what I have to say, which is what John suggested a couple of years ago. He said, why would they bury him there when you've got all of Idaho? And it was a power move. He goes, I bet John said this two years ago, I bet he could see them from his kitchen window.
Oh yeah, I remember that episode. Wow. Yeah. yeah, he was right. Yeah. You guys, uh, I've kept you longer than planned. When when Brian said he's going to have to go catch a flight, I said, don't worry, everyone. I'll, I'll let all of us go at that time. And then I thought, never mind. This conversation's so good. I'm going to keep no Alex. We loved it. I loved yeah. it. Thank you. Uh, Gigi and Alex, um, share a little. I know you guys have both shared a bit, but share a bit more where people can find you and follow you. And, and we'll also share. And then maybe, Alex, you can share where people can follow Brian too, since he's not here to do that. Your, your co worker, your since fellow correspondent. Since I'm doing two, you go first, Gigi. Uh, so just Pretty Lies and Alibis is Pretty Lies Alibi on Twitter. And then just, you know, Google, I have a link tree which has all my links. So you can just, wherever you find me, hit that link tree. All my stuff's there. I uh, would love for you to come over and hang out with me a little bit. I try to make it fun, you know, as fun as you can talking about true crime. We always make fun of the the ones that can be like Chad, uh, but you know, never at the expense of the victims. But the, the big thing for me is facts. Facts matter. I don't do speculation or rumor on my podcast because you've got people watching, family members watching, you've got family members reading stuff. And so, you know, you have to be, for me, it's just, um, Facts matter. And I want it to be to where um, if somebody wants to learn everything we know so far, they can come here or to Lauren or, you know, people that are credible. That's I just want to be credible. And um, I appreciate you guys who are in chat who listen for um, for everything. But, yeah, I'd love to have you over. We, you know, we cover some heavy stuff, but we get some laughs into it at the same time. Thank you. Thank you, Alex. Yeah, can't. Uh... Can't speak highly enough of these two ladies, man. You guys are rock stars, absolutely. And it's been a pleasure getting to, getting to know you more and to cover these, you know, the, these stories together. Um, you know, for those who are just meeting me for the first time tonight, um, I am one of News Nation's national correspondents. I primarily cover true crime for um, the late night show called Banfield with Ashley Banfield, although you'll also see me on the other hours of News Nation throughout the course of the day, depending on the stories. Um, if you haven't heard of News Nation, we'd also love for you guys to check us out. We launched about three years ago with the goal of being fact-based, unbiased news source on cable television. And so you'll see us right there beside the big boys, Fox News, MSNBC, CNN. The only difference is that we don't have an agenda, right? We're just going to be going for the facts and the facts only and sharing that with our viewers. So uh, look for us if you have cable still. If not, you can find us on uh, Hulu TV, YouTube TV, Roku. You're also on Facebook and Instagram, so just find News Nation. For myself personally, I'm loving whoever is pinning my Twitter handle up on this chat. Thank you very much. Thank you, mods. Uh, I have amazing yes. moderators. They're on I, top of the links. I'm Thank seeing you. it. I'm seeing my handle pop up a few times here, and I'm loving it. Thank you very much to all you guys. But yeah, that's my that's me, Al Caprari two three on Twitter. Just Everyone go follow Alex. He deserves our follow. He's amazing. Yes. I appreciate it. Al Cap is probably, you could just Amazing type journalist. An amazing man. Thank you very much, guys. So, yes, follow me. Brian Enton, you guys all know him. I don't need to give him too much time here. Come on. He's, he's the rock star of <laughs> News Nation. But uh, Brian's senior our... correspondent, yes. Brian's our senior national correspondent, just a rock star reporter who, um, who just owns stories everywhere he goes. And um, truly, uh, honestly, a... Uh, a role model and someone I, I admire, uh, in my profession, just cause he is just so good at what he does. Um, and so all you f 
followers of Brian, you guys are right. He is he is good, and uh, you're you're right to do so. So make sure you find uh, News Nation, find me, and uh, I'm just thankful again that you guys invited me to join you today because uh, this was an unexpected treat. I liked it. It was really yeah, fun. it's fun. I well, I'm grateful. I, I know you have a fiance and you were likely busy and everything, but uh, so thank you for making time for us, Alex. We're so honored to have you. And like I and said, we just we talk to- about how amazing Lauren and Dr. John are, by yes, the way, because, you know, wow. just um, I, I tell you what, man, some of the best things I've seen on this case have come from Hidden True Crime. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, you do it with integrity and love in your heart. Uh, for the victims and the family. So shout out to you and Dr. John both. What you do is amazing. And the dynamic you guys have is so unique. So I'm a huge fan. I watch every episode. Huge fan so. here too. And Lauren, I told you back in, in <laughs> Idaho, but I'll say it again. There's no one that I've seen better at making and establishing relationships than you with Thank these, you. these families, um, with these, these people that have been touched by this case. You are just such a personal you have such a personal touch with each and every one of them and it, and it glows off of you. And it's very clear based on the way that people react to you and bring you into your home, bring you, bring you into their home. It's, it's very clear that you have something special. So thank you for all you do and for shining a light on so many important cases like this one. Yeah. That means a lot. Thank you so much. And, this is and a group hug. Group hug. So much love. You're a little small though, Gigi. Scoot up. We can't yeah, hug. Wow. <laughs> table. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, Thank um, you. yeah. And if Kay and Larry are still here, love you guys. Yes. Uh, I have some stuff to send. So I have, I have some listeners who have sent me some things to send to them for JJ and um, people are just good. You know, that's the thing about the true crime community. I mean, you get the few that just like to cause drama, but as a whole, the true crime community, like is just a unit. Yeah. And it it's, it's like, we all are here for the same reason. And so I love being a part of it because I've met some of the best people I've met my whole life covering some of the worst things I've ever heard of in my whole life. So it's, it's a unique thing and I'm proud to be in y'all's company. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Group hug and chat too. You guys <laughs> all go hug and chat. <laughs> Karen wants some K lasagna. Uh, listen up, Karen, I will trip you up to get to that lasagna. <laughs> yeah. And the potato Good. salad. I, everyone keeps asking for the potato salad recipe. I will get it. I will get the potato salad recipe. I've been slow. We've been asking for it for two years since Summer Shiflet mentioned in a chat that it was good. I tasted it. She was right. We'll get that. We'll get that. Oh, by Thank the way, you, before we go, I just want to say uh, uh, Summer Shiflet, if I could give her a big fat hug right now, I would. Yeah, Bless after hearing heart. that call. Oh, my gosh. So many emotions you could hear just picking apart the different emotions in one nine-minute call. My goodness. Um yeah. So I just wanted to acknowledge too. a lot of people just, you know, can knock the defendant's family because they're families of the defendant. But like, we did not know how painful that was until we heard that call. You can imagine, but like the terror in her voice and then just like, I'm willing to hear another explanation. And it's like, she's begging her, please tell me something different than what I know. Yeah. It's just like, man, that, that was one of the most emotional moments I think in that courtroom in six weeks, one of, one of the most emotional. So yeah, I just want to shout out to Thank you. Yeah, a reminder of uh, all these people. We we just don't understand how much pain and agony these crimes have caused so many that are even choosing not to talk to the media. And uh, one thing about Summer's call I really acknowledged too was she just kept going back to the victims. It was about the yeah. victims and not her. I noticed that. And I just want to acknowledge that too because 
sometimes I notice that when people, you know, cause you know, you see Lori crying and you're like, why are you crying? Are you crying? Cause you feel bad for your children. And, but, but it's always like a me, 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 you know, during phone calls, she's like, me, yeah. me, me. Summer was like, how could you do this to children? How could you mm-hmm. do this? These children, they didn't deserve this. And I just want to say like, she was giving the empathy to, yeah. she was heartbroken for the people that she should be heartbroken for. And it was heartbreaking to hear. It was. And, and we'll just say that Kay started it off. First witness on the stand, knocked it out of the park and was classy yes. about it in the in the face of being, you know, having evil look at you. Uh, so so shout out to everybody. I mean, but Kay, like to be that first witness and her to get up there and say, you know what? Lori was a good mom until she wasn't. Uh, I thought took a lot of strength. And we know now a lot more about Lori, but everybody, you know, but Kay and Larry, who made that first welfare check call um hard call to make with a terrible result but man what salt of the earth people graceful loving and put themselves out there and give so much love to everybody in that courtroom like you were we were saying earlier uh can't say enough good things about those human beings so um you know beautiful things in the midst of terrible things and so it's always a good reminder yeah Thank you to the both of you for just coming and debriefing. It's been weeks yeah. now, right? And I'm it's still like, like I still have to process it. I still need my advice. We need like a little reunion chat. So thank you again for everyone coming here. Uh, Ozzy Tats says, thanks, Kay, for showing how families should respond when kids are at risk. I agree. Thank you. Thank you again for being here. And uh, we'll talk soon again, guys. We'll see you. Okay. See you then. Okay. Bye-bye. Hello, Hidden Gems. It's Lauren with Hidden, a true crime podcast. As a TV reporter, I learned the art of visual storytelling. So if you're like me, you enjoy listening, but also viewing. You can actually head to our YouTube channel, Hidden True Crime, to watch these interviews. Hit the subscribe button for surprise lives and breaking news. And for exclusive content, things Dr. John and I only dare say behind a paywall, become a Patreon member at patreon.com slash hidden true crime. You'll find bonus episodes, early releases, and insider info. Thank you for your endless support. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts, so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.